This is Sunday night's main event. What do you guys want to talk about? On the iHeartRadio Talk Network. I'm better than you. Tonight we have a chance to say, yeah, you're right. We're too extreme. We're too wild. We're too out of control. We're too full of our own. I take pride in calling a stooge a stooge, you stooge. Yeah. Acknowledge me. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. I'm Boris Roberto Welcome you to Canada's Premier Wrestling Radio Show Sunday Night's Main Event, powered by Destiny Wrestling. The indie god, Matt Cardona, will square off against Tariq in the main event of Reckless, which happens on February the 24th in Oshawa at the Children's Arena. This is sure to be a match for the ages when two of the very best competitors going today meet in the center of the ring. You can get two general admission tickets for only $50. For fans looking to attend both Reckless on February 24th and Carnage on March 3rd, you can pick up combo tickets via www.revelry.ca slash event slash Reckless. That's Revelry, R-E-V-E-L-R-E. E. Well, this show is always free across the country on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Networks and through several affiliate stations across this beautiful land. You can also find us in podcast form online at snmeradio.com. And if you want to listen to each of our shows, because we have at least one show a day where we talk about the world of wrestling and review Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Dynamite, Collision, and so much more, well, you can subscribe to our podcast network by going to your favorite podcasting app and searching for Sunday night's main event. We also have a patron, and in the patron, you'll be part of the family and keeping this show going. And for just $5 a month, you're going to be a part of the family. So if you want to do that, just go to patreon.com slash SNME radio. Well, it is going to be another jam-packed show, and we have not one, but two interviews for you this week. The first one is brought to you by Slam Wrestling. That's slamwrestling.net, where you can get the best news and opinions of wrestling, and they're located here in Canada. So that interview is going to be conducted by Greg Oliver, and he is talking to none other than former WWE star and current MLW star and New Japan star, Matt Riddle. The second interview that we have for you today is from Lyric Swinton. Part of she's part of the family here in SNME. You may have heard her last year as she covered the G1. She'll be doing that again this year. And she well, she's she's got some passion projects on the go that we're going to be help and supporting her with. You can find all of her work at Maps and Graps. That's her podcast. And you can also find her YouTube channel at Lyric Swinton, and she is going to be chatting with ROH and AEW superstar Athena. Also on the show, I'm going to have Andre from Edmonton, who just so happens to host Andre and Mel Balls of Wrestling Talk here on the network each and every single week. And we're going to be chatting, well, all the changes, all the news, all the highs, all the lows that's happened in the world of professional wrestling, including the official announcement Cody versus the Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. We're also going to be chatting TNA and Scott Demore leaving. We're going to be chatting some stardom news. We're going to be chatting the AEW Re- Revolution main event and so much more. So we're going to leave things locked in here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Networks. So without further ado, let's get to the news of the week. I'm afraid I've got some news. 
In some shocking breaking news last week, Rossi Ogawa, the co-founder, public figurehead, and executive producer behind Stardom has been released by the company. Stardom published a statement explaining why he was terminated. We would like to inform you that we have come to know that he has poached many Stardom players and staff members and we have decided to cancel his contract, they said. Nothing has been confirmed publicly. Word is that Stardom believes that Ogawa may have been setting up plans to launch a rival promotion. Bushiroad, the owner of New Japan Pro Wrestling, bought Stardom back in 2019. So, all rumors are true. Ogawa is going to be starting a rival company in the next few months, and many Stardom superstars are going to be part of that, including Julia, who actually said yes to WWE, but is going to delay her WWE debut if it happens, as she wants to help Ogawa get this new promotion underway. Apparently, Stardom let any wrestler know that if they wanted to leave, they had to inform Stardom and Bushiroad by February the 9th. One can only wonder who is going to be following Julia, Ogawa, and many more in this new promotion. In another shocking move in the executive rank in pro wrestling, Scott Damore is no longer the president of TNA Wrestling. Anthem Sports and Entertainment Inc. announced earlier this week that the appointment of Anthony Cicione as the president of TNA Wrestling. Word is that at a meeting this morning, talent were told that Damore stepped down. The company also stated that Damore has been part of TNA since 2003, held many key leadership positions, and played a vital role in the growth of the company leading to its strong industry reputation today, including the successful return of TNA Wrestling brand in 2024. It is unknown what the true reasons behind this are, but there are rumors swirling around that Anthem was looking to cut budget while Scott Demore was looking to increase it. There was also some rumors that Scott Demore was trying to purchase TNA Impact Wrestling over the last few months and years and well at the end of the day who knows what the reasons are but this is certainly going to be getting and, and stirring the pot quite the bit as many wrestlers return to tna or re-sign with tna or just sign with tna because of scott Demore. and now having a non-wrestling person in charge is going to lead to some very interesting times oh man the hits just keep on coming for Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis, and WWE. This week, it was reported that Vice News is reporting that John Laurinaitis' lawyer is rejecting the notion that he or the WWE turned a blind eye to a serious rape accusation in 2006 from former superstar Ashley Massaro. In fact, he is stating that they knew all about it. Through her lawyer, former WWE talent and Survivor contestant Ashley Massaro stated in a sworn affidavit that she was injected with a paralyzing drug and raped by someone who claimed to be a U.S. Army doctor. This was during the WWE tour of Kuwait in 2006, and Massaro had sought medical assistance upon becoming dehydrated. Massaro died in 2019. Some media outlets reported that her death was a suicide, but that was never officially confirmed. It looks like the boss might be coming back to a TV near you. AEW has revealed that the Wednesday, March 13th edition of Dynamite will be called Big Business. The announcement marks AEW's second show at TD Garden after AE Dynamite Blood and Guts last summer. This time around, fans can expect more incredible moments during the historic edition of AEW Dynamite. This was stated in the promotional release of Big Business. Tickets for Big Business are on sale. Um, they went on sale February 9th for pre-sale and open to the general public on Saturday, February 10th. And so far, tickets have been doing very well. Word is the event is where Mercedes Monet, formerly Sasha Banks in WWE, will debut for the company. 
And all signs and Easter eggs of the poster point to that. There are four horsemen in the WWE Hall of Fame, and now there is one in Pro Football Hall of Fame on Thursday night. As part of Super Bowl week, the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced its class of 2024, and it includes Steve Mongo McMichael, the fearsome defensive tackle who gained stardom as a part of the Chicago Bears. McMichael has been very public with his battles with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. His wife, Misty Davenport, has said that the campaign to enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame has kept her husband motivated through the illness. Former WWE diva Maurice Ouellette Mizanin revealed on her Instagram that she'll be undergoing a total hysterectomy in a few weeks in order to remove some serious borderline tumors in her ovaries, a very rare type of pre-cancer. In her Instagram post, Mizanin credited her OBGYN doctor, Tace Alibadi, for diagnosing the condition after other doctors had failed. Here's hoping that Maurice has a full recovery. Brock Lesnar has been removed from the cover art from the 40 years of WrestleMania edition of WWE 2K24. He has been replaced by John Cena. 2K is also apparently removing Vince McMahon from the game. I wonder how that's all going to work out, especially in the WrestleMania showcase mode. MLW has announced that Bobby Fish has joined the company and will fight at MLW Intimidation Games 24 Live and exclusively on Trailer TV Plus Thursday, February 29th at the Melrose Ballroom in New York City. Rumor has it that Camille, the very sought-after free agent who broke records in NWA as the women's champion, is no longer in talks with the WWE but is currently speaking with AEW instead. Congratulations to Sonia Deville and Tony Cassano as they got married on Saturday, February the 10th. Maria Menounos, who has appeared here and there in WWE, officiated the ceremony. Congrats to the happy couple. We're going to be taking a quick break here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Networks. And when we come back, Greg Oliver from Slam Wrestling is going to be sitting down with Matt Riddle in an interview that was conducted earlier this week. Be sure to check out all of Slam Wrestling news, opinions, reviews, and so much more over at SlamWrestling.net. And hey, I even write the Dynamite Report each and every single Wednesday night. So that's SlamWrestling.net. So we're going to be taking that quick break. And you're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event. From pillar to post and coast to coast, this is Sunday Night's Main Event on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Did you know that Saturday, February 24th, Destiny World Wrestling returns to Oshawa and the Children's Arena for Destiny's Reckless? Is that the event featuring the indie god himself, Matt Cardona? You bet it is. I heard he's not going to be there alone. I heard Steph Delander showing up. I heard Fighter Flight is showing up. Vanna Black, Tara Zep, Lindsay Dorado, and a whole bunch more. Man, you better get your tickets now. They're on sale at www.destinywrestling.ca. This is Sunday night's main event 
on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And welcome back to TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Networks. And you're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event. And, well, we're changing things up. And over the next little bit, you're going to be seeing a partnership between SNME Radio and Slam Wrestling. Slam Wrestling, just an amazing source of news, info, interviews, and the such uh, based out of here in Toronto. Uh, so you're going to want to check them out, slamwrestling.net. Just an amazing crew, amazing people, amazing passionate folks who give you news, opinions, and so much more. Uh, so we're going to be seeing a partnership between SNME and Slam Wrestling. And part of that partnership, well, we're going to be we're going to be sharing some interviews between each other. And this next interview was conducted by one of the owners. And, well, he's, he's, he's quite known here in the wrestling world. And that is Greg Oliver, and he was able to sit down with none other than Matt Riddle. So you're going to want to check out the interview in full over at slamwrestling.net. You can check, if you're listening to the podcast version, you can check the show notes for the link. But check out the entire interview uh, where Greg and Matt talked about so many more subjects than what you're going to be listening to. But here, it's, it's just a taste. So without further ado, here is the chat. First off, congrats, uh, baby number four. Baby number number four, little Matthew. And Pretty stoked. How, how's it different this time, number four? Uh, I think the big difference is, one, I'm 38. I'm not, what, 24 this time. And on top of that, uh, I got a lot of my life put together pretty well before I was like 24 just starting off in the UFC and wasn't getting paid much you know was living with a couple roommates and like my girlfriend and now you're having twin daughters and you got a lot of you know responsibilities and stress that you're not used to at 38 with the job I have and the success I've had and everything else I'm definitely in a better spot plus I've done this before, you know, I have three other kids that are awesome, amazing people, and I'm pretty sure I'll do the same with little Matthew. There's, there's like, you live vicariously through them, right? You get a chance to, to experience the life again, because the other ones are older, right? Yeah, well, the other ones are older, you know, they're doing sports, they're really into art, stuff like that, so... You know, I live through them that way. None of them wrestle. You know, I would never force my kids to wrestle. If they want to, they could be amateur or professional. But, uh, so, I mean, I don't really, I'm not big into track and field. And I never played football, but that's what my kids do. But I'm stoked for them. As long as they're happy, I'm happy. So tell me a little bit about this transition post-WWE. Like, how are you picking where you want to work? Uh, You know, when I got done with WWE, because it's kind of stressful working on TV all the time, especially with the travel. The the money's awesome, and it was definitely worth it and the experience. But uh, now I kind of, I wanted to take a break from TV. So after the 90 days, and during the 90 days, I was setting some dates up. And I talked to some places, like, you know, I've talked to TNA, I've talked to... New, you know, I work with New Japan. I talk to MLW, but and we do kind of we do film for TV, but it's not the same as Monday Night Raw, three hours live. Anything can happen. People are changing the script here and there. Hey, you have ten minutes for your match. Now you have five minutes. Get to this before the. It's extremely stressful. Now I like the pressure, but at the same time kind of wanted a little a little break from that all that so that's why it kind of shows where you know where i'm working now i'm choosing places that are more pay-per-view based where i don't have to worry about going to a commercial so we can get that fritos advertisement you know, i just get to do my body of work 
it'll be a real unique experience for you here. It's a totally different crowd, I'll tell you that. Yes, I, I've been told I was given the Iggy, the heads up, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. The energy is good, I know that. So, tell, tell me about the New Japan stuff. Do you have a lot of plans to do things there? I mean, there's so many opportunities, well, especially with guys you know, leaving there, right? There's yeah. spots well, open. So there's a lot of spots open, which is a good thing for me. You know, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, and I wish everybody the best of luck. But for me, I feel like the doors are wide open. Uh, they got me a year visa, you know, and I'm going over to Sapporo, Japan, to wrestle Tanahashi-san for the television championship. So, uh, I mean, I feel like they're going to use me quite a bit. I have other shows lined up for them as well, but, you know, I don't want to get into that until everything's right, exactly. It's never official till it's official, but I have the visa, I have the flight, I'm supposed to go there, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. How are you a different performer than, you know, back when you were doing the stuff in Evolve and whatever compared to now? Well, I think now just the wealth of knowledge I got, like, say, working with Randy Orton, you know? Mm -hmm. When you work with Randy Orton, you work at that level, or even when you work at WrestleMania where there's like 75,000 people there and you're now not only able to captivate a gymnasium full of 500 people, but now you captivate an audience of 75,000 people, millions at home at WrestleMania and that. So it's hard because you don't know you're getting that experience and that knowledge then and there. You're just living in the moment, getting through it. But then... You know, when, like, say now, and, like, I see a guy in the ring rushing or he's not, like, timing it, he listening to the crowd, it's like, oh, okay, these are things I just naturally picked up because I've been working so long there, and I'm working with certain people. Like, you know, even when I tagged with Cena a bunch, we did a bunch of dark matches, you learn little things from guys that have been doing it this long, and they might seem, like, stupid at the time. Like, you're like, oh, why wouldn't I just do this? But it makes sense because you're, you know, you're. It's not just the match you're playing; you're also playing to the audience, you know. And you're a 38 year old, and yet there's guys who are 38 who've been doing this 20 years as a pro wrestler. Yeah. So it's just a different mindset, and you come in and you still have all that MMA background, right? So you have yeah. A, a different sort of basis for your. What yeah, you do? well, I think for me, my character completely and all is completely different than anybody else. And the thing with pro wrestling is everybody goes out there. We're all trying to win a match. We're all trying to be unique and different. But we're all pro wrestling each other, and like, that's what we do. So how do I make myself stand out on a show where there might be nine other matches of people doing exactly what I'm doing? Well, I don't wear shoes, you know. I'm careful I don't wear any padding because I don't need to. I use more mixed martial arts strikes and knees and everything and submissions and stuff like that. But I also have the flare up doing high-flying moves and flips off the top, and I'm acrobatic, and I can do all that. And at the end of the day, I connect with adults because I'm, you know, 420-friendly, and I fought in the UFC, and I connect with kids because I'm goofy as hell, and I ride a scooter around, and I make corny jokes. So it's, you know, and in pro wrestling, I think a lot of people try to cater to a certain market. I want to be cool or this or that. And me, pro wrestling is catering to the world. You know, that's why I use bro. Bro is universal, you know. It might not mean the same thing everywhere, but when I come there, it means bro, you know. And everybody, doesn't matter what country you're from or who you are, every person, every kid, everybody can say bro. That, that's interesting. You, you know that you appeal for kids, and then you do this, and then, but then you have the 420 stuff. Yeah. Is it something where you're conscious that you don't want to influence kids that of, way? Of or? course, of course. I, I, when I entertain kids... 
one, one. When I'm in the ring, I would never do anything like that. You know, that's just not my style. Would I, you know, I use medical marijuana. I've been an advocate for it for years, and I think that's right. And I also got fired from the UFC for smoking marijuana. You know, regardless if I had a medical license, because times change. But when it comes to kids, that's where, like, the scooter comes in. That's where the fist bump comes in and just being happy and smiling and showing them a good time. That's what it is. And honestly, it works for adults, too, because when I go out there, there might be somebody sitting on their hands, and I go up to them to the guardrail, give them a hang loose and put my fist out, and then they get a smile on their face and they fist bump me back. You know, it's all about connecting with people, and I, for some reason... Kids find me awesome. Adults find me. Awesome. I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. And and there's a joy to work in the smaller crowds too, isn't there? Compared to the seventy five thousand. Yeah, the well, the seventy five thousand. There's a lot of different ins and outs, and like when you do do a move, you have to wait even longer because the crowd's bigger, and by the time it actually starts to roar, it takes a minute or two. Well, rather when say like a PWG or where we're tonight. The crowd's smaller, it's going to be more intimate, they react quicker because they see everything quicker. So, it's just, a, it's a, I would look at it as a different tempo. Even when you see guys from the Indies go to the main roster of WWE, you can see that they're still working that bang, bang, bang kind of tempo, but they don't have to because the crowds are much bigger, they receive it much in time, it takes time. So tonight, it's more intimate. They can connect more. I can actually say stuff, and the crowd will all hear me, rather than before where only 500 people would hear me, but then those 500 people would eventually make enough noise where everybody else right. made noise. everybody else feeds and, and they're like, what did he say? You know, so, yeah. Um, I have to ask about your experiences then with Vince McMahon and this whole mm-hmm. scandal thing. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, it came out of the blue a lot for most of us. Uh, well, you know, people say that, and now, granted, I, I had no idea of anything going on, of course. Like, I'm, dude, I, I don't even politic my own matches. <laughs> like, I, like, I literally just show up and do my job. But, uh, honestly, if you just watch any of his work from his, even in-ring performance, the things he said and did, he, logic would tell you alone. Especially, like, me, personally. All the good wrestlers, all the people that play good characters, those are, that's that. Now, it might be turned up by 10 or 100, right. but that's that. So when I've seen Vince do all the things he's done from the 90s, 80s, 90s, to early 2000s, everything, I was not surprised. I mean, some of it, little, but, yeah, the guy's a billionaire that owns a company, and... Yeah, he's probably done it all and seen it all and wants to do more and see more. I, I don't know. He's, he, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a billionaire. He, he didn't <laughs> discuss this. Yeah, he, he, I wasn't part. I was. I wasn't the dude. Brock was the dude he was talking to, or whoever else. It wasn't me. So, but yeah, you know. So I, I, I really have no comment other than that. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. I hear people say they're surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, the guy was a maniac. Okay, but, but your interactions with him were... Awesome. He, he he thought I was goofy. If anything, the first time we met, he didn't like me because I was goofy. And I was like, oh, he's like, you're goofy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm goofy, but that's a good thing. He's like, being a goof isn't a good thing. Well, And I was like, well, I'm a goof that can kick your ass. So, And then you could tell that that didn't make him happy. And then Bruce Pritchard hopped in and was like, hey, Vince, he's pretty good at wrestling. Trust me. Da, da, da. Uh, okay, so last sort of question. Did you make a list like Cody did where all the people you want to face... And- no, I, if anything, I made a list of what I want to accomplish. And I think my list of what I want to accomplish is I wanted to go to Japan, and I'm going to accomplish that 
literally next week or the week after that. So feel pretty good. And there are a lot of opponents out there. But at this point, one thing I've noticed with pro wrestling is consistency and being good are like just the biggest things. If I can just keep working and not get injured, knock on wood, and keep showing up, keep putting out, and keep doing everything as consistently as I have been for like the last 10 years, basically, I'll be good, you know? And if I can't, that that's the day, you know? But right now, I'm enjoying it. I love it. I got my own little freedom. I can do what I want. I get to, I've been seeing people I haven't seen in years, you know? And, uh, yeah. For, for me, I'm just, you know, taking it day by day. That's all I can do. And there you have it. Like I said, it's just a taste of the interview. And to get the entire rundown of the interview, go over to slamwrestling.net. That's slamwrestling.net. Thank you so much, Greg, for doing this interview and sending it over to the show so that we can all partake and listen to it. Well, we're going to be taking a short break here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Networks. And when we come back, we are going to be chatting all of the news and headlines of the week as I'm going to be joined by Andre from Edmonton, who just so happens to be the host of Andre and Melball's Wrestling Talk here on the SNME Network. And remember that you can listen to each and every show that we do have on the network by going to your favorite podcasting app and searching for Sunday night's main event. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be chatting so much more wrestling here on Sunday night's main event. Chat wrestling all week long by joining the Sunday Night's Main Event Group on Facebook. Just search SNME Radio. Are you in the market for a used vehicle for your family or business? North Toronto Auction hosts public auctions twice a month and everyone's invited. Hundreds of cars, trucks, SUVs, commercial vehicles, and heavy equipment are available. Plus, travel trailers, motorcycles, snowmobiles, ATVs, and more. View the entire selection at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Bid online or bid in person. Bid on items from government agencies, financial companies, fleet managers, car dealers, and public insiders. For more information, visit us online at NorthTorontoAuction.com. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. This is Sunday night's main event on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And we are back here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Network. And you're listening to Sunday night's main event. It has been quite the week, to say the least. I don't think that there has been a week where so much has happened throughout the wrestling world in a while like this week. And we're talking about all of the promotions, WWE, AEW, Stardom, TNA, a little something, something happened with each promotion. So like we do each and every single week, I bring in hosts from around the network. But today I am bringing in one particular host because I know he has all the opinions and he is host and co-host of Andre and Mel Ball's Wrestling Talk, and that is Andre C. Andre from Edmonton. Andre, welcome back to the show. Oh, happy to be here, man. I love I love coming on the main show and talking with you about all the news of the week, man. It's so much fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we're going to start with WWE. It may, may have been one of the most tumultuous weeks as a fan for WWE since, well, 2014 in the build-up to WrestleMania 30, and this feels a lot like it. You can sub in some characters, but here we are, Cody Rhodes, The Rock, 
and Roman Reigns, and it all culminated on Thursday evening with one of probably the most exciting, exciting hours of wrestling of the week. It was is it's crazy that a press conference can outdo and outshine the regular wrestling shows, but it is the build-up to WrestleMania XL. So, in the end, it has been made official. Cody is possibly ending his story as he is facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for the title. Andre, what's your take on the entire week? Well, again, it all started out uh, the, the uh, that last week, out that Friday, when he let The Rock... You guys talked about that on the past weekend, and then the the entire like the internet went crazy. It was like a giant split. Some people were like rock, rock, rock. Some people were Cody, Cody, Cody. And even on Monday, I, I love how they pivoted and had Drew McIntyre come on and tell him, "No, no, you go finish your story. This is my like I I want Seth. You go finish. He's telling him to finish a story." And that press conference, man. I was like, I listened to half it because I was driving during it, but I had it like playing my because I'm a YouTube premium, so I had my screen off, listen to it, and man, just everybody on there from top to bottom uh, was so good. But that final twenty minutes or so with the Rock and him doing doing the whole family tree was awesome, and then then having him and Roman almost ha- get into a respect angle, and then it just turning into what it did. I'm praying for that tag team that tag team match at Mania now on night one because if it's not leading to that, I'm, that's surprising. Because again, it, it it all just everything kept turning and switching back and forth, and you you still really had no idea going into the end of that press conference what was going to happen. Exactly. Something that I really appreciate about The Rock is that he leans into being a heel. I still am convinced mm-hmm. he's a better heel than anything else, and I love the fact that he goes in there you know just even earlier in the day on the pat mcafee show you knew what was going to happen when he showed up on the pat mcafee show started making fun of the codyites the cody fans um the cody cry babies exactly and (laughs) you knew what was in store for later that night and that's exactly what we got we got the rock at his best as a heel and like you said a lot of people Mm -hmm. are like oh it's how, how did rock and roman become friends well Blood is thicker than water. You know, if, if you don't screw around with someone in my family, I'm just not going to let you walk in and disrespect my name, my family. So that's an easy story explanation there. Yeah, again, it, it works well because, again, he's coming in. I, he's like, I may not like you the most out of my family, but you're my family. But I want to I want to fight you because I, I want to show that I'm the best. And Roman's like, oh, I'm the best. So they have that, like familiar respect but we're going to see who's the real head of the table and then cody just comes out and just takes it from them then the rock slapping him for it was just oh and like i love punk yelling you should you should have got back up and slapped him back in the face and literally punking out cody that's exactly it and that's why i absolutely loved what they did there again still some questions but we are going to see an elimination chamber match to see who is going to face seth rollins at wrestlemania we'll talk about that as uh, we preview Elimination Chamber next week, but off the top of your head, who do you think is going to be facing Seth Rollins at WrestleMania? Uh, my head says uh, Drew, but my heart says Gunther. Gunther! Right. Yeah. Gunther, unfortunately, isn't part of the match, but but yeah. you never know what can happen at this point. You just don't know what WWE is going to do. Yeah. And this is the first time you can honestly say that in how long? 
Yeah, like it's legitimately surprising to have so many contenders, like possible contenders coming out right now. Like, and again, could it be somebody coming over from SmackDown? Could be an LA? Could it be an LA Knight? Like, you never know. It could be anybody getting into those chambers and like coming because again, they're doing that. They're doing Raw, Raw, and SmackDown for the women. So again, there's there's so much choices for who could be Seth's opponent at Mania. All right, so a pay-per-view that is happening earlier in the WrestleMania is happening in early March, and that is AEW Revolution. We've been talking. I've been just saying it, and here we are. It is now official. It is going to be Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Adam Page versus Samoa Joe for the AEW Championship. Andre, why is this the best solution? Uh, Because, okay, I'll say this. I wasn't a fan of the death match because I'm not into that wrestling, but that first match that those two had was absolutely incredible. And you put Samoa Joe, essentially king of the three ways, into this match. Like, again, he's still part of one of the best three ways of all time. Um, You put him in there, and I can just imagine what these three are going to do together. Uh, Just just swerve. He's so dynamic. And the fact that he's actually a good guy now, he's kind of the good guy out of all that he's to face in this whole thing. That's the even more messed up part. Like it, it going from invading a house like a few months ago, invading his house a few months ago. Now he's the one being cheered by the crowd because somehow Hangman's turned into the bad guy. And Joe's just the best, one of the best heels going. I'm excited for this match because three dudes just going to, just going to absolutely tear it down in that ring that I I don't see a way this match could disappoint in any way. Exactly. This match is going to be great. And once again, most likely Joe is going to win. But a small part of me Mm -hmm. thinks it's Swerve Strickland. It's his time. We'll see where they go there. Another match that seems to essentially be essentially official at this point is Sting's retirement match where Sting and Darby Allin, your new AEW Tag Team Champions, are going to be facing Matthew and Nicholas, the Young Bucks. I, I almost have issue with them being the young bucks still because they're going by Matthew and Nicholas. Because it just, it just, they should be like they, they got to change it up. They gotta like they gotta have a new name for that because again, it just doesn't make sense. Because they want to be all mature. It's like young bucks don't make sense, boys. Come on. But man, I, there's a couple options I probably that I could think would be Sting. But if he's going to do a tag match with Darby and the titles on the line. Th- and Sting, I think he wants to go out on his back like like a true vet. He wants to go out looking at the lights and put the put the bucks over. Then Darby can come back later on with a new tag team partner to face him to get more revenge if he wants on them in the future. It's always a possibility, but man, like I I can't think of two more dynamic guys in the ring to actually get in there with Sting to sell for him to help make him like look like a million bucks. <laughs> Pun intended. But yeah, um, <laughs> But again, it's it's two guys that can work pretty much any style, and they can make Sting look really good in this tag match. Exactly, and it, to me, it makes sense that it's going to be a tag match. You know, Sting wants to have a great memorable match. I don't think he can do it on his own at this point. And no, who better than you know having Darby Allen and the Bucks to help him through it. You know, it's going to be a quote unquote spot fest, but I mean in the best way humanly possible. And you know, Sting is going to be doing something crazy. So that's AEW chat. Let's jump over to TNA. Scott Demore has been let go oh. by TNA and Anthem. Andre, is it this the craziest thing? Like we're literally weeks outside of the relaunch. We are. 
a few years, about three years into the 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 Mia Culpa tour, as I've been calling it for TNA, where people are finally tuning mm-hmm. back into TNA, giving them a second chance. And this is honestly, honestly, to me, the biggest and dumbest move a company can do at this point. You take all of the goodwill and you just throw it in our face. Yeah, like he's done such good work. Like he's been again, he's been with this company for a long time. But he got like about what three, four years ago, he got full control and like and he has turned this promotion around. I'm watching TNA. It just it it it's a guy who's poured his heart and his soul into it and you can tell how much he's cared, how much he's really put into this, and now he's gone and it's just like yeah, and he, he did try to buy it, but again, that's a business move. You don't like is it is it a reaction to that? I don't know, but it, it's it's suspect that the guy tried to buy it a couple months ago, and now they're like, no, no, we're gonna get rid of you. But it it, it it's where does the stories go from here? Like, do it. I hope he had something written out for a while so that maybe whoever takes over in the booking department situation can at least follow that going forward to give this at least some good cohesion in the storylines for at least the next little while. And we'll see by the end, we'll we'll try, we'll judge it in January of 2025. Was it a good idea to get rid of Scott Moore? It's going to take a lot of convincing for that answer to be yes. It's yeah. It just seems ludicrous. It seems insane. It seems ballsy. It seems a lot of things. The part that I don't get the most is the reports coming out where Anthem is looking to cut the budget, and this is one of those moves. It's like, what do you want? Like honestly, what do they want from TNA? Is it just content filler for their station? I just don't understand what the idea and the thought process is behind this. Yeah, it's because again they own it and they put it on their own network, so they're making no. They're getting a little bit of ad revenue from it, I guess. That's all they're getting. But they do something, to mess themselves up every year, uh, uh, on every few years. If they do something wrong, and it's just I'm looking at it and going, this is wrong. Scott is a great wrestling mind, and like I've, I have friends like in the local wrestling scene that are were posting stuff about Scott and saying how sad they were that he got let go because he just before he got there and was doing that he was always so good at help building guys up like one of my local guys Bobby Sharp he helped him out tremendously and there's just so many things that is wrong with the situation and you're not making money so you should be able to be putting on the best possible situation and Scott Moore was the best possible situation for you yep and he is not the only executive who has been let go by the parent company in Japan. Mm. Rossi Ogawa, the co-founder, public figurehead, and executive producer behind Stardom, was released by the company. There's reports swirling as to why poaching was mentioned. Uh, just general unhappiness was mentioned. Andre, you cover Stardom here on the network, along with a lot of the other Japanese promotions. What's your take on all of this? It's insane. Um... And again, I've been reading a lot of stuff, Dave Meltzer, Post, uh, a lot of other sites. And again, it's 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 again, it's all a lot of hearsay, right? Like we, nobody knows which, like except for Rossi's comments and uh, Tara Okada's comments. Everything is kind of hearsay. And yeah, maybe he shouldn't have been talking about his new promotion backstage to other people. But he, as he as he has stated multiple times, he wasn't the one approaching the girls about it. They were approaching him about 
his promotion, asking him questions about the promotion. So it's not like he was trying to go out. He wasn't intentionally going out there. And he's already stated he's going to run something new. Now, I think Stardom is doing their best to try to discredit him in with the potion comments and things like that because the worse they make him look, the better they end up. And it's going to be – It's going. I, I feel like we're going to have that – all Japan Pro Wrestling Noah situation of the exodus because Julia's already said she's leaving, and Th- Thecla's contract's almost up, so I don't think she's going to resign because you don't think she's going to go with one of her best friends, like and there's rumors somebody other like Tam. I know Tam Nakano has announced she is staying, which is really good for that promotion because she's kind of that let she's kind of their legend other than Mayu Iwatani, but like exactly. It could be a giant change in the next few months. We may be adding another show, uh, the Rossi Ogawa wrestling updates. It's like we don't know yet. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, we probably could, but we'll see what Rossi ends up doing if he does start the next promotion. Who's going to help him back it? Is this going to be himself, uh, kind of putting in putting on smaller shows? But he's got the names behind with him. We'll see mm-hmm. where Julia ends up if she ends up going to WWE after all of this kind of settles. Uh, we know Kyrie Sane essentially signed and came back because of this entire situation. So you know that this mm-hmm. is going on for a very long, long time. But oh, well, what craziness yeah. in the in the executive suits of pro wrestling this week. <laughs> Jesus. Andre, as always, thank you so much for joining me here on the main show. And we're going to be taking a quick break here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Network. And when we come back, we are going to be hearing from ROH AEW superstar Athena. Chat wrestling all week long by joining the Sunday Night's Main Event Group on Facebook. Just search SNME Radio. Special friends, you can catch Greg and Brad, your Smack Daddies, each weekend on the SNME Radio Network. We cover our lives, what's happening on the East Coast, and eventually cover SmackDown. Check us out each week at SundayNightsMainEvent.com. Please subscribe to get your Smack Daddies and the rest of the SNME Radio Network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week. We the ones. This is Sunday night's main event on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And we are back here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Network. And it's that type of week where we have not one, but two interviews. And the second interview is one that I am really looking forward to. And huge thanks to friend of the show, Lyric Swinton, for getting this done and submitted to the show. You can find all of Lyric's work. And you can... at Maps and Graps, that's the podcast. And you can find her over on her YouTube channel, at Lyric Swinton, that's at Lyric, L-Y-R-I-C, Swinton, S-W-I-N-T-O-N. Make sure to give her a follow because she does some amazing work over on her YouTube channel and her podcast. And, well, all of the work that she's done so far for SNME Radio. And you can find more of that work later on this year as she will be covering the G1 and so much more for us. So without further ado, here is Lyric and Athena having a chat. 
Hello, everybody, um, and welcome to this very, very, very special edition of Chats and Graps. Thank you to SNME Radio um, for making this one happen. This is going to be airing first on the Saturday, Sunday night May event um, radio show, and it's going to be a super exclusive, and then everybody else can be able to watch it on YouTube. But you haven't seen me since last year. I'm Lyric Swinton. I did a lot of the G1 Climax coverage from last year. And this year, I'm back doing a little bit more cool stuff, specifically around Black History Month. And nothing says Black history quite like, in my opinion, the best women's wrestler in the world today. We have the forever Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, the Fallen Goddess, the Alpha, the American Joshi. Athena uh, is here. Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Ha-ha. I've super made it. Super exciting. I am super excited. I remember at the beginning of this year, I said, this is a dream for me, and for it to finally happen is absolutely outstanding. How are you today, Athena? I'm good. I'm good. I'm shaking off the morning, uh, which is like really weird because I was just getting to, I was just telling you I'm like I'm totally a morning person yep. I'm up at the crack of dawn I'm in the bed when the street lights come on so <laughs> I'm just totally a morning person I just can't shake it today <laughs> there's so much to talk about um obviously we are in February we are in Black History Month but also we are merely a day after your return to Ring of Honor right now you have something going on with Nyla Rose and something, something. <laughs> she's trying to usurp everything from me. Look, I took a long, hard earned vacation and this hussy came through to my cookout, tried to take my minion mafia, my MIT, my minions, and I'm not happy about it. And so you talked about the minions a little bit. And so I think you've had what I believe is probably the most dominant women's championship run I think I've ever seen in my entire life as a wrestling fan. And so you have this fan base, it's the, the minions, and you have like your partnerships. And a lot of that is stems from you being a fan of Despicable Me and all these <laughs> other things yourself. And so you're this monster heel and you do it so well, but you're also bringing in all these elements of like your fandom and stuff into it. So like, how do you like, create that balance for yourself as you I, are doing it. I feel like um, just to touch back, like I'm a big nerd. Like, like my room isn't set up right now because uh, we just like got new carpet. It's so like my whole walls are blank, but I have like all these fandoms. I love cartoons. I've loved cartoons since I was a kid. It's like my safe space. Even, even now I talked about it in one of my first media scrums. Like I love Craig of the Creek um, just with that representation and stuff. So like, I feel like for so long, I was very challenged with showing me as a person because I'm very introverted outside of uh, work. Um, it's very difficult sometimes to be able to showcase who you are as a person. And that's part of the reason the Ember Moon character came about because I wasn't comfortable with showing people who I was. I wasn't comfortable with just being me on TV. And like, I've always, since before Ember Moon, when I was on the Indies before, I always used my character as a mask. In some kind of way, this just keeps coming through to the out that like my fandom 
is slowly showing to the point where like I throw Easter eggs um, on TV with my socks. Um, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotten down to that. Like, I think I had Kirby, I had Pickle Rick at one point in time. Like, so I, it's, it's really cool to be able to find myself within my character, if that makes sense. And it's been like a long time coming. Like everyone knows me as a video gamer, a Pokemon enthusiast, but like to be able to showcase some of the other things that I like, like I love the minions, like I love the minions. Um, but like, I think someone on my Twitch stream was like, why don't you call us minions? You're such an evil <laughs> overlord. I was like, overlord, I will be the minion overlord. And so all this kind of came organically together with some of my fans from my Twitch stream and then just moving forward. And it's just kind of escalated to what it is now. So you talked about this happening really organically. And so mm -hmm. when you go back to late 2022 and mm -hmm. the match that started at all, I think that match on dark with Jody Threat. Mm -hmm. Did you expect everything that's happened since when you originally made that initial shift? Like, did you have a plan for this incredible run and everything? Or was that completely organic too? And you've just been kind of like just continuing to evolve since. Um, It's so weird because like when uh, the Toronto, I think it was Toronto, when Toronto happened, and the match aired, I, I don't think anyone was expecting that because we were both fine after and Jody's awesome and she's doing amazing things in TNA right now. Um, but I don't think anyone expected that type of reaction. And it became like we had a choice. And I was talking to my husband, uh, Matthew, about it. And he was like, you know, because I was like about to like post and like because I was getting attacked on social media and I had never really experienced this anywhere because when I was on the indies before I wrestled like that all the time because I was a bad guy on the indies you know um and everyone just knew me as my former character Ember Moon they knew me as the yay baby face you know type of character so it was really one of those things that I was like you know I've been trying to get this heel turn forever it seemed like because that's where um, most of my skin and my husband goes like he just grabbed my phone for me he goes we don't respond we're wrestlers we yes and and I was like you're right so um my next message was to the creative team at the time and because I think that on some level we were just like ah eh, this will blow over and like just kind of a couple of days after I was still trending it was still getting bigger some of the uh wrestling veterans and legends of like yesteryear so to speak were all <laughs> commenting on it putting their two cents and it kept just blowing up and blowing up and blowing up and I was like guys I gotta double down on this like you know and just with the guidance of our entire creative team. And I think at that time I was working very closely with Christopher Daniels and Sanjay Dutt and uh, Tony as well. We all kind of just were like, all right, let's see where this goes. If this doesn't catch on, like, um, we'll see what happens. And it became like, I became the extra killer, you know? <laughs> and these girls who were absolutely awesome and like, you know, they come trying to get a tryout. They come trying to just get their names out there. They were really awesome for me and I can't, um, thank them enough for giving me their bodies, for giving me, you know, their time. And because at the end of the day, like, you know, this was for me. And like, I, I just really appreciate everyone that I got to step in the ring with. Cause like that year, I think 2023, I had 60 something matches and most of them were with extra talent. And, you know, it was really awesome. Cause even some of them would come with ideas like, Oh, could you do this to me? And like, and I'm like, 
oh, this is cool. That's way crazier than what I would do. So I, I really like just appreciate everyone just kind of being on board and telling the story and making me the champion that I am now. Yeah, you are at the height of, it feels like you're at the height of your career right now and you're carrying this entire brand on your back and influencing a new era of women's wrestling. And as I've watched this run in Ring of Honor, and I actually talked to Maya World yesterday, <laughs> it's, to, it's, it's continuously stood out to me that so many women on the indies have gotten opportunities during this run and you're letting them showcase themselves. And like, these are not just... These are not like boring squash matches. Like all of them are musty in their own way. Like the one with Maserati comes to mind, like immediately here. <laughs> and you have the spotlight, but you consistently shared it, like with people like you know Billy Starks and Lexi Nair. So, and you know with the creation of the new women's television championship at Ring of Honor, because you're so dominant. So, why is it important to you to elevate so many other people as you're continuing to blaze this trail? this historic trail that you're on? I feel like I see myself in each and every person that I wrestle. Like I've been the extra looking for an opportunity. Like, and I love Maya world. Shout out to my girl. Uh, you better be at training Monday. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, like I've been hungry. I've been where a lot of these girls are. I felt stagnant in my career. I have, I have worked myself from the bare minimum and never had anyone like despite my like I say this all the time despite my trainer's pedigree of being trained by Sandar Akbar, Booker T, Lance Hoyt like I have a wrestling pedigree and no one put their foot out for me no one put that neck out for me to open the door I had to do that myself so like this is kind of like in a small way me trying to give back to them like sometimes it's the odds aren't in their favor as far as time and stuff like that goes but like I understand the frustrations of the pro wrestling world as a, so what is it, 19 years, working on 19, I think, as a 19 year, you know, wrestler, like I've, I've seen it, I've been there, I've experienced it. And just sometimes letting people showcase who they are provides some of the most entertaining and fun matches. And it gives you a natural chemistry that I don't think a lot of people expect because a lot of times like these girls are like, all right, what you want to do, hit me in the face and that's it. And I'm like, well, you know, and a lot of the times, like, I'm just like, if you get to do one thing in this match that you want to showcase yourself so you can show the boss, the people in the back that'll be like, oh, wow, I didn't, I never knew, like, what would that be? That's how I open up every match is like, I try, I've been told that I'm too giving at times, <laughs> I feel like, but like, at the end of the day, like, that's their opportunity as well. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still going to be the dominant champion. I'm still going to put my foot up their ass, but like, this is also, we're sharing the ring together and I'm a firm believer that you're only as good as the other person in the ring. Absolutely. You talked about nearly 20 years now as a professional wrestler. And one of the places where a lot of people got to know your star was Shimmer. And mm -hmm. you and Willow Nightingale tore the house down at Death Before Dishonor. And the match that you had felt like and, and not just felt like, I, I think you said it yourself, was a love letter to, you know, a lot of those women that came before, um, from that era of Ring of Honor before there was a lot of dedicated space. And so as you are now the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, the longest person to ever do so, 
talk about like the importance it is for you to make sure that the history of women's wrestling comes with you and is communicated specifically for future generations. You know, I, um, I grew up in the state of Texas being the only women's wrestler for a long uh, time in my area. Like I was the only female wrestler that was like kind of getting started that wasn't established. There was another lady um, named Claudia at that time um, who was kind of like only doing one show. So there weren't like a lot of like girls on the indie. So I wrestled guys a lot. Um, and then there was a girl down in Houston uh, and that was the next girl. So like every weekend I was working guys and I remember like us kind of forming this network of like, okay, well, I need a girl to wrestle. Then there was this other lady named Claudia Del Solis that popped up and like, we just kind of made this like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna try to make this work so we don't have to wrestle the guys all the time. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just kind of boomed from there with like Barbie Hayden. And I remember having this network just in the state of Texas. And then um, Anarchy Championship Wrestling happened at that time where they were bringing in like Portia Perez and Mischief and Rachel Summerlin was their mainstay there. And that became a thing. Then Booker T started bringing in more women. And it was like, I was a part of this weird shift where we were transitioning from, um, how do I say this without being like insulting um, a more sexual based form of wrestling um, into like, Hey, we wanted to wrestle. We wanted to do what the guys did. And then I heard about shimmer and I was like, yo, what is this? I remember uh, my buddy of mine, Richard, uh, he had a shimmer volume two and it's very specific that it has to be volume two because the very first match on that DVD is Beth Phoenix versus mischief. And Beth Phoenix at that time was on TV. She was she was um, being the glamazon, the glamazon. Um, and it was like I'd never seen women do what these women did, other than like seeing Shimmer. But like it was a it was a bigger TV product. It looked like, and like the fans were just like the houses were packed. And I was like, what is this? And how do I get there? You know. So it became a I need to get there. I need to I need to be at Shimmer. I need to be at Shimmer. And I became obsessed with that. But coming upon Shimmer, like people like Lexi Five, Allison Danger, um, and Dave Prazak, like they were like, hey, we want to provide a platform where women can be just wrestlers. Like, hey, if you want to go out there and show your tail, go out there and show your tail. If you want to go out there and kick people in the face, kick you, kick people <laughs> in the face. It's fine. Just be you, but be entertaining no matter what you do. And on top of that, they were bringing in Soraya Knight, um, Paige, formerly, uh, like, I feel weird because they're both Soraya, um, but I think she was Paige at the time. Um, when we were all in Shimmer, like they were bringing over uh, Madison Eagles, Shazza McKenzie, who were in Australia, um, Jesse McKay, uh, like, and they were bringing, it was just a cluster of all the women across the board, like put into one place. So you were getting these dream matchups. And I was so fortunate uh, to be able to have a tryout match. Um, I think my tryout match was me and Bonesaw versus um, Jesse, Jessica James and Rachel Summerlin. And we did a tag match and like, they were like, Hey, you're going to wrestle. <laughs> I forget someone got hurt. And I was just sitting in my sweats in the back like just all cozied up and they're like, Hey, you have a match. And I'm like, what? No, no, I'm done for the day. They were like, no, we're telling you, you have another match. There was an injury that happened. So you're going to be wrestling Nevaeh. And I was like, Nevaeh? Oh my God. 
So like, and then I, we had an awesome match um, there and I, you know, and Nevea kind of catapulted my shimmer career. And like, it was very important to have a platform like that at that time, because it was kind of unheard of, like, sure, there were all women shows. I think WSU kind of sprouted somewhere in there. Um, but like, it was so important to have platforms like that to where like, it was about the wrestling. It wasn't, uh, there was nothing else about it but the wrestling and the individuals wrestling and it was a really cool experience and i kind of uh when i went to wwe when i did the skill honor and heart that was my like ode to shimmer mm -hmm. at that time um so it was just it was just really cool to be able to have that experience and that meant a lot and i made a lot of friendships and relationships that have carried me throughout like alice in danger someone who is my friend but also like i call her my wrestling mom um <laughs> you know she always checks up on me she's like hey how are you doing you know we'll we'll talk about terrible spider memes because she's terrified of spiders and i'm the one that enables that and i send her spider stuff um but yeah, because I'm a terrible friend. <laughs> Look, Billy Starks will tell you first and foremost that at 2 a.m. when your phone is blowing up, it is me sending Instagram videos because <laughs> I have nothing better to do than to scroll up Instagram. Um, but like, you know, I've established all these relationships like Mercedes Martinez, as much as like we like to kick each other in the face, like we are like I have that support system and it's really cool to be able to. Tony considers me a veteran, which I still don't think I'm that. But, you know, it's it's really cool to have that faith and respect in my locker room. Um, and I don't necessarily see myself as someone that's been wrestling forever. I just see myself as someone that enjoys wrestling. You talked about some of these relationships and your peers. And I think specifically over the past year, a lot of your peers and counterparts have talked about how influential you are. When you asked different wrestlers, who they want to wrestle, who they want to be in the ring with. People are saying, Athena, I actually, um, I was in Japan and I got to interview Thekla over at Stardom. And Bro, she Spider Lady. Yes. Oh, she's so good. I <laughs> she named you as one of the people that she would love to potentially face. And so you're getting so much, um, not just love from the fans right now, but I think true respect and adoration from your peers all around the world. So what does that mean to you to have so many people say that Athena is the best in the world and I can't put myself in that conversation until I face her? Um, it's wild. It is very wild and weird um, because like I said, I just, I don't see myself as like the veteran. I see myself as just someone that enjoys wrestling, you know? And I feel like every female wrestler or just, and I've had men too, that say that, hey, we want to wrestle you. Like, I'm just like in awe of that. Like, it's it's a weird feeling because I'm like, oh no, no, you don't. <laughs> like, uh, like, I'm not that good, you know? But like at the same time, it's just like, wow, like people really believe in me and the stuff that I put on a platter, you know? Like 19 years of just hard work, dedication, going up and down the road, doing the hot dog and the handshake, getting stranded, uh, trying to go up to OVW and wrestle when I was like 20, and then trying to work my way back going to the Nightmares uh, school in Tennessee, all the way down to Oklahoma, to Arkansas, and just trying to make my way back home and making towns. Like, it's just like, all of that seems like it was worth it to just showcase who I was, you know? I felt like for so long, I was um, 
trying to find me, trying to find me in the ring, trying to find me outside of the ring. And like when it clicked and it kind of just, like I said, with the support of TK, like, cause none of this would happen without TK. And it was really awesome just to be able to be given the ball and the faith is given to me each and every week when I go to work, like Tony and I like work hand in hand with creating the minion stuff. Like I remember telling him, I was like, yo, we need a minion graduation. He's like, I'm sorry. What? I go, <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry. What? And I go, yeah, I think we need a minion graduation. And he's like, tell me how this is like, he just undivided attention was like, nope, tell me how this is going to go. I am immensely intrigued. And like, he loved the idea, which is like kind of my first like live promo, like in a very, very long time out there. And I remember just like sweating and I was like, I've been doing one takes backstage. I got this in the bag, you know, um, but long and short, it's just, it's just a complete honor to be named. Um, so I really don't expect that. Like I still am the person that I have my dream matches that I want. And I don't know if I'll ever get some, but like, it's just like, wow, like I'm still naming people and they're like, Hey, we want to work Athena. Hey, we want to do this with Athena. And I'm like, wow, that's like just an immense honor. And like, I just, my heart swells on such a different level because I'm like, people like, like me, people like think I'm that good because I suffer from a lot of confidence issues. And a lot of that is because social media isn't the kindest to us female wrestlers from, from body to work ethic. And it just makes me feel like I just want to give everyone the middle finger or to say, suck it. Because like everyone thought that my career was over when the Toronto incident happened. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, she's done. Nope, that's it. And like me doubling down and trying to just work my ass off to have the best year of my career. Um, it, it really did mean a lot. It, it, like I can't explain it. Like it just really meant a lot that I had the faith of everyone just behind me. And and I still do, or at least I think I do, you know. So it's, re it's really cool to just be able to have that support from fans and wrestlers across the board. Yeah, you recently got a shout out from Swerve Strickland on Collision. Yeah, that uh, was a shock. <laughs> yeah, you got a you got a shout out from Swerve, which was well deserved, I think. And you two have a history of your own. Like you had a fantastic match in Wrestling Revolver, probably my favorite intergender match of all time. Probably like, how does it? How is you know both of you right now at the? I feel like at the heights of your careers, like. Clearly, like, you know, you have that brother-sister bond. Like, what does that mean to you, like, to watch him succeed, for him to watch you succeed right now? It's really weird because I have that bond with a few people. And it's just because we kind of came up in the business together. Or, like, I, I remember, like, uh, my husband is really good friends with Sammy Guevara and kind of just was there throughout the transition of his career. I was there with Ricky Starks and like Strickland is another one of those like family friends invited to the cookout type thing. <laughs> so like, I remember like being backstage and I was getting ready for like ROH. So I had makeup on, I was getting my makeup done and he's like here. And he's like, did you hear it? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Get out of my face. Like, And he's like, did you hear the promo? And I was like, what? what what are you talking about and he's like i gave you a shout out so he pulls it up on his phone and i was like oh that's so cool you didn't have to do that he's like no i wanted to do that you deserve this you know and it's really cool because like there's a lot of people that knew me as the young kid coming up like um and like to be able to kind of experience like i felt like a little kid getting a shout out like on tv Aww. like 
you know, it's weird because I've been on TV for almost, well, probably over a decade now. Um, and it's just like, I, 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 I'm, I'm floored. I'm floored that, you know, um, and this is the baby face side of me. So get out of here. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just floored anytime my name is mentioned in a positive light. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And it just makes my confidence beam even more. It makes me want to try harder, work harder, you know, um, it, it's just very, it's it's a humbling experience that people think the world of me because sometimes I don't think the world of myself. So that's, I think that that's completely valid, but um, I hope you do know that you are like the best out here, like just completely. And speaking of the best, we're talking about, you know, TV and I know a ton of people ask you all the time, when are you going to be on AEW TV? But I think in recent months, we finally seen the shift in, Women's wrestling, I think, in AEW, and a lot of people, including me, believe that a lot of that shift was due to some of the incredible work that you have been doing in Ring of Honor and just completely taking advantage of every single opportunity. And so this year, obviously, there's tons of stuff on the horizon. AEW Big Business on March mm-hmm. 13th. Um, and I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that mm-hmm. we're going to usher in a completely new era mm-hmm. of women's wrestling, not just in AEW, but in the wrestling industry, period. And it seems that you are going to be a part of this new era in some way, some form, or fashion. And I think there's some dream matches. <laughs> you know. I mean, I have dream matches now Absolutely. like within the AEW company. Like, I feel like I got to wrestle Jade, Kira Hogan, uh, even Penelope Ford. And I only like scratch the surface with our division. Like, I have a ton of women that I would like to wrestle there. Um, but when it comes to big business, I am immensely curious, as you all are, because that is the thing that is the most closed lip thing in this entire locker room. But if what I think is going to happen, and I think we all think we hope and like we're hoping is like I might finally get one of my dream matches. And that is one of the coolest things because I've shared the ring with this person many times. Um And I've just like, whether we were on the same tag team on live events in WWE to like us getting to like briefly touch in money in the bank to us briefly touching and like this awesome fatal four away that we had on raw. Like I, I just wish the world for this person because she's someone that I think is one of the absolute best wrestlers in the world. And like, though I love to be immensely humble about myself because I do have, like I said before, I do have those uh, self-esteem issues. I would love to see what I could really stack up against with this person um, if, if she does come here. And I would love to see if just like, I, I, I just, I would like to see if I was better than her. I would like to see what we could create because I'm a firm believer of like when you have two dedicated women to the cause, like, like it's going to be money. It's going to be magic. And this woman has had some of the best matches in women's wrestling history. And I just, I have to, I have to, I have to, I don't, I don't care if I have to go to Japan for it. I just got to get it one time. And like, it, it's really cool. But to your point, like, 
I have, I was the first woman under the AEW, me and Willow. So let me not discredit Miss Dancy, shoo shoo, do do do. You know, me and Willow got the ball and we had the first ever women's pay-per-view main event in ROH history. The first women's main event uh, on a pay-per-view in AEW history. And like for the first time, it really felt like the women were given the ball. And I remember Tony brought us in and I like, I came to tears. Like I'm, I'm trying not to get emotional. And he's like, wow, you're more emotional than I thought you were. And I was like, I'm sorry. This just, it meant so much to the point where like, I remember being in the media scrum and I was just like, so happy. But at the same time, like him telling us that we were the main event, like, holy crap, did that mean we had to deliver? Because it wasn't just Ring of Honor's women division. That meant that we had to showcase to the entire world that we deserved the ball. We were going to have the best match on the entire card because if we would have went out there and failed, that would have meant like, okay, well, maybe the girls just can't do it. Maybe this is too much. You know, we've seen... um, Bailey and Sasha main event the NXT pay-per-views. We've seen Bianca and Sasha. We've seen Charlotte. We've seen all these women main event uh, WrestleMania and numerous other pay-per-views and Becky too. I I don't know why I forgot her, but like, I just wanted to be seen in the same light as them. I remember being on the other side and being told like, look at them and look at you. Do you really think that you're on their level like that was something that was said to me backstage when I was in the fed and it was one of those things that I was like you know what yeah you're right you're right and I and I remember having a lot of self-doubt and I feel like Tony really brought that out Tony really just was like no you're good you're one of the best in the world I trust you to have this and like I I think he called me the inspiration for the women's division at one point in time and I was like I don't, I don't like, that's a lot of responsibility right there with that moniker, (laughs) you know? And then he was like, I remember he told uh, me and Billy, he brought us into the office. um, I think like early November or late October. And he um, was like, you guys are going to be the main event in Athena's hometown final battle. And I was like, again, like, Oh, like, and now I'm like, all right, we gotta, and I, you know, you start watching film, you start going and you're just trying to pull out all the stops to show that, Hey, I belong in this space. Because at the end of the day, like Claudio, Brian, like all these guys, Mox, like all these guys that have been the top dogs for year after year. Like I remember Samoa Joe was on the pay-per-view with me and Willow. And I was like, yo, he's like really giving us the ball. Like he really has faith that we can deliver on this. And I will never forget like, <laughs> and, and this is kind of the, the weird thing because I've always like uh, purposely like mess around with Tony with like with my little sad handshakes in the media scrum and stuff. Like, and I'm like, I'll give him like the sad left hand one too. And he's just like, he's like, <laughs> and I purposely did it for a while because I thought it was funny. And I remember like after me and Willow made a minute, he like met us on the stage, like when we got back and I was like trying not to cry. He gave me the biggest hug. And I was like, I got the TK hug. <laughs> you know, and it was, and it was really cool. Cause me as a character on TV, I just wouldn't allow that. And it was just like, it was really cool. It was, it was awesome that Tony had the faith in us. Like, and I remember after the Willow match, he's like, what's next? What are we doing? Da 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 da. Like, and he like, then the Billy thing happened. And then he was like, 
in there with me, Billy. And then Lexi kind of just came. I just kind of brought Lexi in by bullying her. I was like, you're in this too, buddy. And then it was me, Lexi, Billy, and TK. And we just kept forming these ideas and forming. And it was a really cool organic storyline that I don't think anyone expected to happen. It just worked. And that's the beauty of pro wrestling. It's like when you yes and, and you keep moving forward and you're like, okay, well, this is what we did in the past. This is what the next step here. It's like this massive uh, algebra equation that you have to figure out what the final solution is. And yep, nerd reference. Uh, <laughs> and it is awesome that Tony has seen what women can do. Like, and I think he uses ROH as his experimental base. And then now we're seeing the women get two segs on collision, sometimes two segs on dynamite. We're seeing more fluent stories from Paige and I'm sorry, uh, Soraya and Ruby down to uh, Willow and Staten Stokely uh, to Julia and Sky. Like we're seeing stories come across across the board with Tony Storm and Mariah May and Luther. Uh, <laughs> I have to say it like that for some reason, and I don't know why. I love it too. Um, but like we're we're getting to see like him give people the ball in a different way that we haven't seen before. And I think a lot of people just don't see that. They always want to harp on the negatives when it comes to that. They're, you know, we brought Thunder Rosa back. We have red velvet in the mix. Like we're really building to something special. And like I said, if, if big business is the big business, I think our women's division as a whole is going to make a statement and a stand to say, Hey, Come, come try us. Come try us. Cause we're ready. We're ready. We've been ready. You know, I just hope to in my 2024 as a triple crown champion. And that's the greedy part in me. I, I don't know if my body will hold up throughout <laughs> having to fend three titles in a night, but you know what? We're going to try it. We're going to go for it. And you know, that is my goal at the end of 2024, because as much as I love ring of honor, I know that Tony and I have also talked. We know it's not going to last forever, even though I call myself the forever ROH champion. Um, you know, so this is just know, like, I don't talk about stuff because I genuinely want it to be a surprise when it does happen. Um, it's coming. We have talked. Like, everyone thinks that... Um, you know, Tony isn't a mastermind. He is. He does everything for a reason. So just wait. Be patient. Stay on board with ROH because even if I'm not able to be on ROH, there are so many women, so many men, so many tag teams, and everyone just gives their heart and soul, you know, to that cause and that app as well. Yeah, I was reflecting when I was thinking of Black History Month and big business specifically, I was thinking there's only been four I I love that we are just referring to it as big, big business. business. You know, she, just big business. That is her name now. Big exactly. Business. Big business. Right. I think that's a fantastic nickname. But I was thinking of there have only been four black women in history who have ever made event at pay-per-views. And after March 13th, there's a potential of three out of four of them will be all under the AEW banner. Like this is a the possibilities are endless as it relates to star power and women who aren't just taking up space, but they are the draw, the main attraction. And speaking of another woman in AEW who is an attraction is Hikaru Shida. Mm -hmm. I was there at, was that, no, I wasn't there, not for, rest, not for All Out, but for the All Out Zero Hour, you two had a face off mm -hmm. and the fans got up. Mm -hmm. Like the fans were very excited to see you two finally come face to face. And after 
after that, I was like so excited. I went back and watched your like match from Shimmer from like, like, like what, almost a decade ago. Yeah. And I think like that is a huge match waiting to happen at AEW, sitting on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, you being the face of Ring of Honor, Sheeta's been referred to numerous times as the ace of the women's division. It's like the clash of the titans. Would it? What did it feel like in that moment to have that face to face? And what do you hope to see come out of that? Hopefully this year. So Sheeta was one of those women I got to wrestle at Shimmer. I think it was at two thousand ten. I think my memory is terrible, but I remember just having so much fun. That was when Sheeta was like. I think that had to be her first or second trip to the United States at that time. And I just enjoyed that match thoroughly. And I remember when I got here, she go like, she was one of the first people after uh, I debuted and did the standoff with Jade. She goes, Oh, finally you and me get to wrestle. (laughs) And then like, you know, so we ended up being in this, uh, I think it was a six man or eight woman tag, um, six or eight woman tag. And, uh, she she just looked at me and she's like, yeah, we're doing something. We're doing something. Yeah, we're doing it. Because I think like all the fans at that time with uh, me wrestling uh, Mayu and Yuka um, and going through this uh, and Emmy going through this, like there was a weird part of this whole transition that where I was like the Joshi killer. Yes. Which was their phrasing, not mine. <laughs> and I was like, I'll just use American Joshi because I used it on the indies, you know. Um, you know, and I was like, oh, Sheeta would work. Sheeta would work. And then, like, Sheeta uh, won the championship shortly after that. That kind of just kiboshed all of that. And it was like, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, cool. I'm just going to go sit over here then. <laughs> um, but Sheeta is awesome. She's so good. She's so precise. And I would love an opportunity to be able to share the ring with her again. Um, just to be able to like hit hard and have fun. Like, there's something organic when you just know you can just go just like not care about anyone else's safety. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. within the realms of pro wrestling, of course, yeah. like, you know, just like, and I remember just like, we got in there and we were like, like my martial arts fight scene, but it was just like, that is one of those matches for me. That is one of those people that I've never beat. That's one of those matches that I have to have. Like that, like I was saying, I have Tony Storm. I have Mariah May, who's been on my radar. She thinks that girl throws a mean drop kick, and no one acknowledges yes. mean drop kick like I do. You know, you have Queen Aminata. You know, I'd love another round with Sky Blue. Uh, you have Soraya. You have Ruby. I've never had a match with Soraya. I've had plenty of matches with Ruby, and we love to beat the tar out of each other. And she's absolutely phenomenal. You know, I think the sky's the limit when it comes to the AEW division hell i would even love to do an invasion angle with my roh girls like let's come to the cookout um but just know at the end of the day like there's so many dream matches i do have for myself there like when jamie hater gets back i'd love i would love to go toe-to-toe with jamie hater like on such a i need this match level like i like i need this match like thunder rosa and i have had like a 30 minute time limit draw out on the indie she was my first match back you know i would love to have a match with her um so like i said like i don't really have a preference of who i wrestle because i think in every form it's going to be an entertaining ass-kicking match um because like i said no one no one is me 
right? No one is me. And like, you guys have all this faith in me. You guys say that I'm the best wrestler in the world. And like, hell, maybe I might believe it at some point in time. You know, I just want to get to um, the point where I can show everyone what I've been working on, what I've been doing. And I'm so thankful for Ring of Honor and the platform and being able to carry the show, I guess. Um, you know, I joke around saying it's my show, my rules. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, TK books everything. And you know, he has the faith in me to carry the Ring of Honor brand. And he gave me one of the highest compliments the other day. I won't say what it was, but it, he gave me a really high compliment that meant the world to me. And just seeing how much faith he has in me as a performer, as a wrestler, like it makes me feel like, yeah, I am the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Like no one can do what I do because I've had consistent matches from top to bottom over the course of 2023 and every match has been great whether it be with an extra talent or whether it be with one of my ring of honor girls like you know when you see me on that television you know when you see me in that ring that i am going to deliver like no one else can whether it's like must see violence or jovial stuff backstage or me just throwing a rage temper tantrum like i'm gonna be that person for you um so just be patient. And also Queen Aminata. I have to have that match with Queen Aminata. Yes. Sorry. I, I got to shout my girl out because she's been up there like, here she is. Like <laughs> She's been fantastic. Um, and so you talk about dream matches. And one thing that you haven't done in your career is go to Japan. And so I think you've talked about you want to make that a reality some mm -hmm. shape or form um, this year specifically. And so... There's a lot, uh, there's a lot to do. I, like there's a lot in so many different yeah, organizations. Like, I think people think that uh, this last year, they're like, yo, you're at the height of your career. And I'm like, but there's so much more for me to do. There's always so much more. I'm like, this is just the highest you guys have seen me in my career. Like there's still very much so more stuff to do. Like I, it's, it's crazy. Like when you think about it, like I've, I've never been to Japan. Like I want to go wrestle in London on the Indies. I want to go to Germany and wrestle on the Indies. Like, you know, there's so many places that I haven't really got to showcase myself outside of WWE, but Japan is the one place I've never gotten to wrestle. I think I did a tryout match for Kyrie Sane. Um, backstage at the NXT uh, Japan show that we did. That was it. Like I never got to wrestle in front of a crowd. And for so long, I modeled myself and my style after the unique strong style that some of the Joshi over there provided. Um, so yeah, that is my dream. I want to go so badly. Maybe if I say it long enough <laughs> or enough, like it'll happen, it'll be in fruition. So yeah. You know, Supercard of Honor weekend is coming up in Philadelphia. <laughs> You'll nine times out of ten, we will see you in SC Supercard of Honor. I got, I gotta whoop this native beast first before we <laughs> get that far. I got, look, uh, like I, I would love to sit here and say that, like, yeah, this is gonna be, I'm gonna be champion. But like this, this, this Nyla Rose character is gonna yeah. go on my side, and He's I just, I, you. I gotta take care of that. The only thing I'll tell you about Supercard of Honor is that I've already started on my entrance stuff. I don't know if I will be wrestling there or not. Um, but it's going to be the epitome of my fandom, I think, um, as far as Dungeons and Dragons goes. That's all I will say. That is the cliff note I will give you because I'm already working on it and it's February. <laughs> well, also on Supercard of Honor weekend, there's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of people in town. Yep. Stardom is running a show. TJPW yeah. is running a show. And so 
are there any people that you would be interested in crossing paths with that we um there are tons of people i feel like um uh, I feel like the Stardom show appeals to me. I feel like the Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, show appeals to me. Like at this point in time, I just want to get my foot in the door and show people what I can do on their level because they are absolutely phenomenal. They do not hold back. I mean, I remember my match with Yuka Sakazaki and I was like, this woman is crazy because earlier in the night, she like not even an hour before the show started for ROH, she was wrestling at a Tokyo Joshi Pro show in the main event. Like, and she came over here and wrestled on the ROH show. And like, honestly, if you think about that, like if she maybe didn't do that match, there was probably an even bigger chance she could have beat me. And she gave me a run for my money then, you know? Um, so yeah, like there are so many people and I feel like I'm going to mispronounce names. Uh, Mayu, uh, uh, Watanabe, I think uh, I can't pronounce her oh, name. Oh, Miyu Watanabe? Miyu, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Watanabe is one of them. I would love to face Julia. Like, I, you know, there are so many people, Thelka too. Um, but we got to see what happens. Like, that's really far ahead, but like, it's it's really awesome to just be able to be put in the same light as some of those women. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, circling back, you know, mm-hmm. to the reason for the season, mm-hmm. Black History Month. Um, Clearly, you are a part of Black history and wrestling, but in today's era, specifically being a women's wrestler at the top of your game, what does it mean to you to be, what does it, what does Black history and wrestling mean to you? I remember when I was a kid and seeing Jackie Moore and knowing that she was from Texas and that was like, whoa, she's just like me. I could be that. I could be, I could be just like her. And she, she had the meanest clothesline and, and fun fact, she was doing something for TNA like years before they became impact. And I actually had to train with her. And I just remember thinking like, I got to take that clothesline at least once. (laughs) And she hit me so hard and she's like, baby girl, you okay. And like, she has a little bit of a Southern draw to her. And I was like, that was so cool. Um, and then, like, I got to train with Jazz and Rodney Mack, and Jazz was another woman that I was like, yo, she's larger than life. And at that time, I was watching her. I didn't get to see the OG Jazz a lot, but, like, the newer rendition of ECW when she got to go over there and whoop up guys and stuff on uh, ECW TV when uh, WWE did the Alliance angle. That was awesome. That was so cool. And I just remember thinking, like, I got to meet her. I got to meet her. I got to have a match. I got to have a match. I never got to have a real match with her, but, like, being able to train with her being able to i had a match with rodney though (laughs) i had a match with rodney because uh she had just found out she was pregnant and i was supposed to wrestle her and i ended up they were like nah we just gonna have you wrestle rodney i was like what (laughs) i'm five one that is a big ass man um but i'm so thankful i got to meet some of my heroes and that meant the world to me because like they were just like me they were strong beautiful black women that didn't take nothing from nobody and they just 
tried their best to be them in their most unique form, which was so beautiful and so powerful. And I remember like conversations I had with Jazz when she found out that I was going to WWE and like it meant the world that she was so supportive, but also gave me words of warning, like say yourself, do this, do that, you know, like this is how you act. And like that meant the world to me. And even then she would check on me through like other people. So it made me feel like she had her eyes on me. Um, but it was really cool to be able to meet your heroes. Cause some people, I've met some people. Okay. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> I could have dealt without that interaction. And then you meet people like um, Kong, amazing Kong. Like I always wanted to match with her. And I had this really cool, like awesome match with her at Shine Wrestling. And I was like so ecstatic about it. And she was so sweet and so nice into the stage. Like, when I see her at conventions, you know, I'll go and give her a big hug. Cause I was like, yo, like her and Taylor Wilde had these awesome bangers. Yes. Ben Kong and Gail Kim had these bangers. And like, it's really cool to be a part of that. Right. And not only that, not just me, like Bianca Belair, uh, Mercedes, like, or big business as we like to big call business. it. Big business. Big business. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's really cool to be in the same light as some of these women and know that we are inspiring the next generation to know that like there's probably an african-american girl in dallas right now who's watching something i've done on ring of honor and she's like dad i'm gonna be just like her you know which is very important to me it's part of the reason i've always kind of stayed pg-13 and i don't try to dabble too far outside of that um even when i was in wwe it's like i'm i'm here for the kids like even when you see me at the airport at 4 a.m i will always take time to take a photo with kid now some of you grown-ass men it's 4 a.m clock it <laughs> but no in, in all seriousness but like um you know i always take time for kids because you never know what type of impact you know i remember being a kid and meeting this local indie wrestler who was like on a t i think there was like a upn station or something that played it at like 2 a.m and i remember seeing him and i was like oh my god can i have your autograph and i like begged my mom to pull out the you know the walmart receipt from 30 <laughs> years ago that's like could you sign this and he like and I, I'll never forget this. He took the receipt and just ripped it in half, threw it in my face and get out of my face, kid. And he was supposed to be a good guy on TV at that time. And I just was like so taken aback and so mortified. I was like, I will never do this to a kid. I think I was like 12. Yeah. I will never do that to a kid. Like, like there are days where I don't feel good. There are days where I, my social battery is clocked out. Like I said, I'm an introvert, but like, I will try my best to always never be that person for a kid. Like I will take a photo. I'll say hello. I'll have a two, two, three minute conversation. But like that, like utterly like destroyed me as a kid. And I don't ever want to be that person. So like, I, like, I try my best to just be me. I have a niece who loves watching me wrestle, which I'm also very cognizant of. Because <laughs> when I started hitting dudes in the face, she started hitting guys in the face. And that became an issue. Like, hey, you can't do what Auntie does. Auntie, Auntie is um, an action star. Uh, this is a movie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, like, what we do kind of on TV reflects, like, our influence on the outside world. And I just want to show 
African-American boys and girls that like, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. Hell, if you don't want to be a pro wrestler, don't be a pro wrestler. Go be a lawyer. Go be the president of the United States. Go be a doctor. But like, don't let anyone tell you what you can't be in life, what you can't be in this world. If you want to do something, you put your best foot forward. You put in the time. You put in the effort. You put in the work and you go do it. Because if I would have listened to every family member, if I would have listened to all my friends that laughed in my face, I would never be here having this conversation with you. I actually was fortunate to be at Ring of Honor Final Battle 22 when you won the title. Mm -hmm. um, and the reaction from that home crowd, I'll never forget it of just how happy people were for you. Like I started crying, I think, as somebody who's been following your career for so long to finally see you love to see things click, like finally click. Cause you'll see like very talented wrestlers all the time who have all the talent in the world, but they haven't really found their place yet where they belong. Mm -hmm. And I think that moment of just watching everything click for you was so emotional, not just for me, but just for everyone in the room, specifically, I think for the black faces in the room of just for the people who've just been following your journey for so long, it feels like, where you are in your career right now is a long time coming. And so you're almost 20 years in the game now. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I recently, I got to see Aja Kong wrestle in person for the first time. <laughs> He's the person who I think of when I think of you, of, I think of the type of career that you could have when it's all said and done as far as impact. And so when future generations look back on Athena, and specifically this run you're on right now, what type of message are you hoping to send? You know, I hope they go back and look at all of it. You know, like while like I didn't have the best experience in WWE, I did have fun. I did, I did meet a lot of fantastic people and not everyone had a bad like time there. And I wouldn't even call my time bad, just frustrating at times, you know? Um, I want them to go through all of it. I want to see them see me from my very first match, which <laughs> then was bad. Um, like I go and show some of my students that it is bad and I will not tell you where to find it. That is how bad it is. <laughs> um, you know, I'll go, I want them to start from the beginning. I want them to see my journey, how I fought through Shimmer, how I fought through Anarchy Championship Wrestling, how I became the American Joshi, how I went through Shimmer, uh, did the ranks there, Shine, WSU, and then how I got signed to WWE, how I went through NXT and overcame everything despite nothing being in my favor. I never got to beat Asuka. I want people to see that I tore out my elbow and did the rumble uh, coming in at number six and coming in and busting my ass for every girl, whether they came from NXT, Raw, or SmackDown, staying in there for almost an hour with one arm. <laughs> take straight because I didn't want to let anyone down going and having that surgery, coming back, doing money in the bank, jumping off of a ladder, doing the O face on Natalia and showing the world that, Hey, I can be something special going there, doing the mixed match challenge with Braun Strowman and then ending up with Zach, uh, Zach Ryder as my partner. <laughs> because I found out like everyone else on the internet that I got a new partner and be like, what happened? Going from that to me tearing my Achilles, doing a 24 seven title run. And then thinking that my career is over and crying on national television, international television on WWE backstage, getting released or like leaving WWE. Cause it was kind of mutual at that time. Um, 
in finding myself in AEW where I stood toe to toe with hands down a megastar in Jade Cargill. Fast forwarding, not winning that match, the Toronto incident, all the way till winning the title in my hometown, crying in front of my parents as they are cheering me on because they have never seen me on top of anything. Oh, I'm sorry, because that's kind of emotional. Oh, I'm getting emotional too. <laughs> to the Toronto incident, to me winning a title, to me having the most dominant reign in ROH history, working over 65 matches last year, busting my ass to show people that if you work hard and you do what you think you have in your brain, that you can become something special. Now to having this conversation with you, being champion for over 525 days, being an inspiration to not only the AEW and ROH women's division, but to myself and the younger generation on the indies coming up. That's what I want people to look back on, is that I am a story of a person that will not quit, that will not settle, and that will continue to drive the force into the future. So that's it. <laughs> wow. Um, that was, that was, that, that, that made me emotional as somebody who's watched you for so long. And I, I never understood your placement sometimes, you know, of like, like this person, she's so talented. Like, you know, why is she not here? Why is she not there? And seeing your story, you end up exactly where you are supposed to be has just been so affirming and inspiring as another black woman. So thank you for your journey and for showing, sharing it with the rest of us. I had a ton more questions, but you know what? I think that that's, that's <laughs> a perfect way to go out. Um, I have one question that I've been asking everybody throughout Black mm -hmm. History Month, but who is one black wrestler right now? who you feel might not be getting the proper shine or the proper credit that you hope that a lot of people wake up on. Um, yeah. Ooh, that's difficult because I selfishly want to say my world because she currently trains with me uh, though. She was trained by um, a wrestler named Lou Gotti down the street. Like she currently trains with me as well. Um, I love her to death. Um, she's such a hard worker and she has what it takes to be something special, but I could go and say like Chudi Lynn, Maserati. Um, there's a really, uh, like, I don't want to say cute cause she's a whole woman now. There's like this 18 year old prodigy, uh, down in Houston, Texas. And, um, I, I want to say her name is Mia. Um, and she's probably going to be something special, but like, that's just to say in my area, right? There's, I, I think a new girl uh, that just started around the corner named London, uh, who's also African-American. And that's just my area. Like I, I always wanted to have another match with Tootie Lynn because like, I think that she's so unique and fun and spunky that it could have been like better, but she got, like I said, she got in the chaos of like murder. Uh, <laughs> um, for lack of a better term, she was in the middle of the uh, like, hey, we have to double down on this. I'm so sorry. Um, but that's just goes to show you, like, I remember being the only African-American woman in my area. And then there were only one of us allowed on the shows at a time because we were the, ooh, okay, we can't have too many black women on the show because they are not unique, you know, yeah. but like Kiara Hogan, like if we're going to go to work, Kiara Hogan, Aminata, Willow, like, I still think that they're going to get their spotlight that they deserve as well. Um, but like, I just listed like 10 girls for you right there. You know, that just goes to show you that things are changing, times are changing, and the sky's the limit.
So there you have it, little extra content for you if you're listening on the podcast version. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. And again, Lyric Swinton, thank you so much. And go out and check out her podcast, Maps and Graps, and her YouTube channel at Lyric Swinton. If you're listening to the podcast version, you can find all of that information in the show notes. But it is that time of the week where we have to bid farewell and say goodbye. Thank you so much to listening here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Networks. And just remember that you can find us each and every single week in podcast form. And in fact, we have a show just about every single day covering the world of pro wrestling, whether it be Raw, whether it be SmackDown, Dynamite, Collision, we've got you covered. All you need to do is go to your favorite podcast catcher and search for Sunday Night's main event we're also on facebook where we have an excellent awesome group that loves to chat wrestling and you can find us by going to facebook.com and searching for snme radio and you can be part of the family and help support the show and everything that we do by going over to patreon.com slash snme radio And we have been powered by Destiny Wrestling, where you can see the indie god himself, Matt Cardona, square off against Tariq in the main event of Reckless on February 24th in Oshawa Oshawa at the Children's Arena. This is sure to be a match for the ages when two of the very best competitors going today meet in the ring. You can get two GA tickets for only $50. And for fans looking to attend both Reckless shows on February 24th and Carnage on March 3rd, you can pick up a combo ticket via www.revelry.ca slash event slash reckless. That's revelry, R-E-V-E-L-R-E-E. Be sure to come out and support Destiny Wrestling. Well, thank you so much for listening here on TSN Radio and the iHeartRadio News Talk Networks. And until next week, take care and remember, stay Tranquilo. Thanks for finding Sunday Night's Main Event. To get the complete show as well as bonus weekly podcasts, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SNME radio.